Hello! Hello, everybody. One and all, welcome to Factorally. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Simon. Today, you may spot a bit of toilet humour. It won't be a crap episode. No, but you might be flushed at the end. Um, no, that's all I've got. So, <laughs> uh, the more astute of our listeners may have noticed that we're talking about toilets today. That we oh, are. That'll be fun. If you're new to this, if you're uninitiated, uh, Bruce and I love random facts and useless knowledge. And each each week we pick a subject that you really wouldn't think would have any interesting stuff involved in it. We pick the most mundane topics, we pick them apart, and it turns out they're quite interesting. Well, generally speaking, it seems that the the more boring the subject matter seems to be on the surface, mm. the more interesting it is when you scratch that surface and have a look underneath. Yes, absolutely. Unless, of course, it's a toilet where if you scratch the surface, it's not very pleasant. That's something very different, yes. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to quote Blackadder, how lucky you English are to find the toilet so amusing. For us, it's a mundane and functional item. For you, the basis of an entire culture. <laughs> so that is the culture that we shall explore today. Yes. So when did this culture of toilets start, do we think? Well, it depends how one defines a toilet. Um, mankind, animal kind, have been uh, defecating. You know, for for a very long time, um, we've we've done it out in the out in the open. We've used um, nearby rivers to carry our waste away. So we've been going to the toilet in inverted commas in in one form or another um, forever. Uh, but the idea of an enclosed area, a, a specific space that is used for that purpose, um, as most things do, it, it goes back to the Greeks, it goes back to the Romans, it goes back quite a way to the Egyptians, I think, as well. Oh really? I didn't read that. Well, yes. I suppose it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes, they um they 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 use the Nile apparently as a ah. as a system to carry away the waste. Okay. Hopefully they weren't in denial, because that would be messy. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know anything about um the, the the toilets of those eras? I understand that um they were sort of very public, sort of hmm. communal things. I mean, you know, these days we have like walls between each stall yes whereas then they just had a, like a, a plank of wood with holes in it that dropped mm. down somewhere and there were various different ways either into a pit or into a, a gully with running water or yes whatever. in some sort of, sort of stream but it was a very a very sociable place to to go and have a chat hmm you'd all, you'd all sort of sit next to each other right close up next to each other uh, cheek by jowl um so doing to speak so to speak. But they were quite healthy places, weren't they? In terms of cleanliness yes. and so on. Yeah. So they had you know, they they weren't just doing their business in an open in an open pit or anything. You know, like you said, there was a, a plank of wood, everything was sort of slightly covered over. Um they they cleaned themselves with a, a, a sponge on the end of a stick, which they then dipped into a, a, a gully of fresh flowing water to rinse and then handed it to the next person to use. Whether that's clean by today's standards? So would you hand would you hand it to them by I guess by the handle? You would hope so. Yeah, uh, there there are some who say that that's where we get the phrase uh, to grab the wrong end of the stick. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. You really that wouldn't. would be a bad you really thing. Wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I read somewhere that some if you were like an emperor or somebody very posh, hmm. um, they used swans necks. Really? Yes. Were they dead? No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the poor swan. Yes. But then That's the swan terrible. could go swimming. 
and and, sure. and dive in and kind of like do that thing that swans do where they kind of like uh, like a, a, an undulation yes to get rid of whatever was on their neck well that's a bizarre image isn't it <laughs> <laughs> So yes, that was the Romans, um, and then sort of from from then on, people just used whatever space was available. They might have a hole out in the out in the field. They might just you know, as we've said, sort of go and use a nearby river. Um, come the medieval period, you sort of used a, a pot, uh, which which is is the origin of the potty, um, sort of the, the chamber pot type thing, you know. But well, that would have been in the bedroom, wouldn't it? Because it's a yeah, chamber. Exactly. If you were slightly wealthier, you might have a, a, a dedicated room. I almost said a defecated room. <laughs> well, that would work as it well. It still work. Yeah. Uh, you would have a room, uh, a private room, a privy, if ah. you will, where you went and did your business. Some of those were rooms that sort of stuck out of the wall. It sort of, you're, If you're in the higher echelons of society I, in a castle, perhaps. I, you I might... was going to say, I've seen those in castles. They, they, yeah. were, they were called guard robes or something. Was it guard robe? Yeah, so guard robes, the area where you sort of went to the toilet was adjacent to the place where you got cleaned dressed etc so you kept your robes there so the area was called the guard robe which eventually became the wardrobe ah um yes and this this room would sort of jut out of the wall over a, a moat or a, a pit or whatever and, and you know there you go um yeah so you had a room that was dedicated for your ablutions and your cleaning and your getting dressed which if we look at the etymology of the word we like a little bit of etymology we here. do that where does this word come from the word toilet comes from the 16th century word toilette which meant uh, a cloth or or a wrapping um and then by the 17th century that has sort of that meaning became dressing or clothing as a verb to clothe yourself then by the 19th century toilet meant uh, the place where you performed your ablutions you got dressed etc ablutions that's a good word so the ablutions uh, come from the latin word ab meaning away and lure meaning wash so ablure ablute ablution means to wash away ah so do you know who was responsible for the first actual flushing toilets we've talked about doing it over a pit we've talked about doing it in a pot and then throwing it away do you know when actively flushable water toilets came around i don't tell me 1592 that's a lot earlier than i thought you were gonna, i thought you were going to say like 18th century or something but, yes but yes. 16th century is quite early it is quite early isn't it so this was a gentleman called john harrington who was the godson of queen elizabeth the first um he was an author, a translator, a member of the court. He got banished from court for, as far as I can tell, telling lewd jokes. <laughs> now, if you're going to be banished from court, obviously Queen Elizabeth, like Queen Victoria, was not amused. No, no. So much so that she threw him out. Um, so he was banished to um, Somerset. What a punishment. He built himself a house near Bath. He invented for himself an indoor toilet with uh, what we would recognise as a, as a cistern, really. I wonder where that um, went, because you'd have to flush it to somewhere, wouldn't you? I suppose yeah. into a local river or something. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we still haven't got to the point of having sewage networks, no. but who cares where it goes once it's been flushed out of your house? It's someone else's problem. <laughs> um, but yes, a, a box containing water high above the place where you were doing your business, um, pull a lever or open a hatch, water comes down, flushes the waste away. Um, 
in his design it was a vertical pipe so it went straight down to wherever it was that it went uh, which was obviously a little bit whiffy but um, that was that was his invention 1592 Queen Elizabeth I eventually forgave him for his lewdness she went and visited him in his new house she saw his toilet she was rather impressed by it she commissioned him to make her one um, so Queen Elizabeth I had an indoor flushing toilet. Wow. Uh, which had velvet and uh, lace around the, the general seating area and sort of dried herbs and fragrant twigs and things scattered around the place to, to mask the smell. Fabulous. I, mm. you know, if you'd said to me, did Elizabeth I have a flushing toilet, I, I would have said no. Oh, automatically, yeah, instantly. I would have said no until I researched that. <laughs> <laughs> It was around uh, the, the the Victorian era that um, there was something about um, the, the the smells, wasn't there? Because because all of the waste, wherever the waste came from, it just drained into the Thames. If, yes, in, if, Lon- in if, London. If you're in London, there was a there was the thing called the Great Stink. <laughs> the Great Stink. <laughs> and there are great cartoons of people kind of like hold, holding their noses whilst they're being barged across the Thames and sort of oh. using nose gaze, which was sort of like a, a, a handkerchief dipped in per- very strong perfume so that you right. can kind of hold that to your... No, it's almost like a gas mask, like holding it to your face <laughs> so that you can actually smell something nice rather than the disgusting oh. uh, effluent that was coming out of all of the uh, the pipes coming into the Thames. And and it was it was so bad that the the monarch um, commissioned um, somebody to actually make it better, hmm. and the person they uh, commissioned to do that was a chap called Basiljet, yes, who uh, was tasked with coming up with a sewer system hmm. um, for for the for the whole of London. And That's no small task. Is no, it? no, it's, <laughs> it's a mammoth thing to do, um, and it, it resulted in things like. Uh, for example, the Strand used to be, I mean, the Strand is kind of like a beach. But if you look at where the Strand is now, it's miles away from the Thames. And the reason it's miles away from the Thames is because Basiljet built these massive sewer systems running yeah. alongside the the Thames and covered yeah. them over. So yeah. people could actually build on the sewage system. Right. And and sort of made the Thames a lot narrower than it, yeah. than, than it, than it once was. Yeah, and so I think the, the 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 I'm sort of thinking of the Victoria Embankment on the north side of of the Thames. That's all. That was all just constructed to cover over the sewers. Yes. Huh. So the river was 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 started to be cleaned up. He built lots of sewage processing plants hmm. to remove all of the nasty stuff from hmm. the water and then put it back into the Thames. Yeah. So so yes. So Basiljet um, from his offices in Sloane Square. Hmm. Uh, which are now a, a private club. Huh. He created these plans. And you can see, actually, in this club, they have some of the plans that he made to uh, t- to produce the sewerage system for, for London. And that meant huh. that more people could have uh, inside toilets or toilets at their house, at least, Yes. Um, in, in Victorian London. Yes. Because uh, I, I guess, you know, if you, if you look at the Victorian sort of sprawl of, of, of housing, most of that had did have toilets, but they yeah. were actually not in the house. Okay, yes, yeah, so they were sort of outhouses, weren't they? Yes, but quite a lot of it was, was uh, public toilets at the end of the street, and not just in the UK, there were public toilets everywhere. The, the French made a, an art of, of the public toilet with uh, le pissoir. Ooh, tell us about the pissoir. Well, you may have seen it in um, Hello, Hello. Uh, it's like a round, sort of circular... 
um, metal um, building that you that has collectors for urine inside for men. Yes, of course. Because uh, most public toilets were for men. In fact, there were no public toilets for women at all until quite late in the Victorian era. Really? So women could not go to the... Unless they were visiting a friend, Yeah, they could not go to the loo when they were out in public. Oh, for goodness sake. I know. It's it, it, Times have moved on. They have. Thank goodness for that. And um, the f- in fact, one of the first female public toilets in the world... Hmm. is not 300 metres from where I am now. It, oh, really? It's at Britannia Junction in uh, in Camden Town. Right. And that was one of the very first... That was the very first ladies' toilet. Is that so? Yes. Interesting. Well, that's a bit of history right there, isn't it? There's also another public toilet not far from here in, in Primrose Hill, which is a recording studio. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, That's so London. I know. So a lot, a lot of these uh, toilets were like below ground, and you yes. sort of go down some stairs into this very tiled Victorian style, yeah, place. And they've and a lot of them, when they were decommissioned, were repurposed as either right. storage. Some of them are um, server farms because they're underground. So uh, there's a sort of like a constant, yes, um, thing. And also there's flowing water, so yes. that'll a, a couple of them are cool. a couple of them are bars, aren't there? Yes, yes. There's a bar. In fact, there's a bar in Kentish Town, which is uh, a toilet. Mm. Excellent. So um, after, after you've been to the loo, I mean, you know, whether you use a, a swan's neck or a stick with a sponge on the end of it, these days we kind of use use paper. Yes. Uh, but but it's not it's not a new thing, uh, using toilet paper. In, in fact, in the, the second century, uh, Chinese were using um, a sort of a, a rudimentary paper. Really, they they did that for a while, but the the first modern toilet paper mm. uh, was also in China, but it was like fourteenth late late fourteenth century. Okay, and of course it was for the emperor's family, and each sheet of paper was perfumed and oh. uh, ornate and fabulous and right. And and then when paper became more available, like in the in the fifteenth sixteenth century, it was quite expensive, so you wouldn't really sure. use it to wipe your bottom with. Yeah, but then. Time passed, and then you get to Victorians, and Victorians yes. being Victorians and being hugely inventive. Uh, there's a chap called Joseph Gaiety, which I love okay. his name. G-A-Y-E-T-T-Y. Gaiety. Sounds like a fun fella. I know. And he created the first commercially to- uh, packaged toilet paper in 1857. Really? And these were, these were sort of like a, it's like a pack of, like a, like a pack of A4, but, but toilet paper. So it's like loose, okay. flat sheets right. of paper. Right. He was actually uh, American, this chap. Right, and he uh, founded the Gaiety firm for toilet paper production in in New Jersey. And his first factory-made toilet paper was called the Therapeutic Paper, and also people called it um, Gaiety's Medicated Paper. Oh, that's that's a very Victorian name. <laughs> I know, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh, why not? I think he probably had to charge so much money for it that that, uh-huh. he, that he couldn't do it. Okay. But then the, the British got involved. And in 1879, a chap called Walter, another great name for, for, for somebody who's involved in the toilet business, Walter Oldcock. <laughs> like, a bit like Ballcock, but without the B. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, so he created toilet paper on a roll. Oh, right, okay. And he, used, he was the first that used a perforated toilet roll instead of just flat sheets of, of toilet oh, paper. I see. And um, it was amazing. I mean, sudden, suddenly toilet paper took off mm. and uh, the Germans got in on the act and then the French and 
then um, it, it got to the point where companies like uh, Scott, um, right. the, the big paper company, uh, were, were making a lot of toilet paper. Yeah, Toilet paper then was quite rough. I mean, there were splinters <laughs> no. in toilet paper. Oh, that's not not good. good. You don't you don't want to. That's a specific place where you do not want to mm, splinter. Definitely. So uh, th- they they decided that it needed to be softer, and there was a, a paper mill in Scotland that started to make uh, two ply uh, toilet paper, right, okay. and much softer. And, and today, sort of two ply toilet paper is pretty much the standard. Yes, and that's been around since sort of the nineteen forties. But really? it's a, it's a huge industry now. I remember. I remember as a as a child going to the uh, the the toilets uh, at school, and the toilet paper was essentially like tracing paper. Yes, it was very hard. Bronco. And I remember the the brand Bronco toilet paper, and it was like inter it was like folded in half and interleaved. So as you picked yes. out one, another one would pop another out. Another one came out. That's right. But it was it was very sort of it was very rough and crunchy and uncomfortable on one one side, and and sort of really shiny and. <laughs> And useless, skiddable. Yes, on on the other side. But but people used to use other sorts of paper, didn't they? Yeah, people have used all sorts of things: the newspapers, magazines. Uh, again, hopefully not the glossy ones. <laughs> um, I think before your American chap uh, invented his toilet paper, uh, some Americans in in rural America used to use used corn cobs. Um, oh wow. Well, that makes sense. It, it kind of does, doesn't it? Without yeah. getting too graphic about it, if you picture that, that kind of does make sense. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There'd be one use only, I would imagine. Oh, one would hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yes, people have used just any old any old rags or or bits of material they could find around. Um, in fact, there's a, a particular uh, mention of a magazine, the the Farmer's Almanac, uh, which was a popular paper for farmers telling you all the latest news about farming and mm-hmm. agriculture uh, that was a, a regular thing that people used in place of toilet paper and the farmer's almanac was so aware of the fact that that's what people used it for once they'd read it you know it was a quality quality yep. production they actually started producing it with a couple of holes drilled in to the top of <laughs> of the almanac so you could put so a bit that, of string through precisely so you could hang it up um, that was in. They didn't make it perforated as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, that was in that was in 1919. Wow! Again, it, it always does, but it, it makes me think of another Blackadder quote. Um, you know, they're they're in the trenches, and George brings out a copy of King and Country, and uh, he says, "You can't deny this. This magazine is good for the morale of the men." Blackadder says, "No, not at all. I just think something better could be achieved by giving them some real toilet paper." <laughs> so it was a common thing to use magazines and papers and whatever else you could find lying around. So you can do crosswords on the toilet. People do a lot of thinking on the toilet. The other thing that people tend to do on the toilet is die. Not where I thought we were going. <laughs> but no, I mean, people have been dying on the toilet since since time immemorial, practically. There, there was a um, King Edmund Ironside of England was stabbed whilst defecating in a toilet in, in 1016. Um, uh, in, even in Rome, there, there was a, 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 a chap called um, Elagabus who was murdered by the Praetorian Guard in a latrine in which he had taken refuge. Really? So, yeah. And um, yes, but, but loads and loads. George II. Died uh, on the collapsed, toilet. 
He collapsed shortly after attending to his close stool. Oh, I see. <laughs> yes, that's very much the same thing. They, they think probably of something like an aortic aneurysm, which, you know, if you're right. overstraining, that, that can happen to you. Judy Garland died on the toilet. No. Really? Yep. Yeah. Admittedly, she was on barbiturates, but she did die on a toilet. Okay. And the, obviously the most famous one, eating a burger on a toilet, um, oh, was... Yeah. Um, the king. Elvis Aaron Presley. Indeed. I mean, and, and most recently, uh, back in 2022, um, rapper uh, Coolio right. uh, died of a heart attack on a toilet while at a friend's house. Oh. So people, people are continuing to die on toilets. Huh. I imagine that ambulances must be called to the toilet quite frequently to... Because it does put a strain on your on yeah. your body, doesn't it? When you're when you're going to the loo, we have lots of names for the toilet as well. There, don't we, we do have a few, don't we? I, I, th- I wonder whether this sort of comes from our English prudishness. We don't want to call it what it is. Well, I think it's the Americans. The Americans are even more prudish than us, aren't they? We, we'll ask to go to the loo or the toilet you know, in in a restaurant, but Americans, excuse me, where's the restroom? The restroom, yes, or the washroom. Washroom. Yeah. So go on. What, what other euphemisms do we have for the toilet? There's loads. I mean, you know, the the lav uh, for lavatory. Yeah. Uh, the the latrine. The Americans call things like the John. Yeah. I have no idea why they call it the John. I don't know why either. There we go, listeners. Drop it in the comments. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's things like um, the powder room. Yes. Where ladies go to powder their noses, which is exactly not what they're doing. <laughs> Definitely not. And and you mentioned the privy, yes, as well. Yes, the private space, the privy, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's just an awful lot of words. The WC, WC, the, so that's the water closet, the water, which closet. is very technically accurate, isn't it? You have a, a box full of water in, yes. in, in in the shape of a cistern. That makes sense. Yes, and oh, interestingly, toilet water is not the water that goes in the toilet, right? Because toilet water is what you were talking about earlier, with toilet being where you sort of get ready to go out. Hmm. So that was the water that you put on before you went out. So to- eau-, eau de toilette. Eau de toilette, yes. Uh, water of the toilet, yes. Yes. Ah. And then because we, because the British sort of conquered the world mm. at some point, you know, we, we brought back a lot of words from other countries. Like we brought back some Indian words like Kazi. Really? Yes. Didn't know that. I always assumed that was German. <laughs> huh. There are people who don't think that it was Indian, that they think it was just a Cockney word for, for toilet. Oh, no, I, I think it sounds more interesting your way. I, well, I, I, I like to think that as well. Do you know where we get the word loo? No. Tell me. So loo uh, was a Scottish term from the 1700s, gardie loo. That in itself came from an old French phrase, garde l'eau, which literally translates as watch out for the water. Oh, right. Which goes back to the medieval times. Again, you'd use, use a pot inside the house. You'd chuck the contents of the pot out the window. <laughs> you'd want to shout down to the street below, yes. watch out for the water. Garde loo. But I imagine if you were doing that as you chucked it out, that, that doesn't give you much of a chance to like dance out of the way. Does it, it might be slightly too late, mightn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then there are other countries. The um, Australians yes. uh, call it the dunny. Yes. Uh, which is something to do with daddy's donut, isn't it? So there's, there's, is it? The, the, the dunny is basically the loose seat. It is shaped like a donut. Oh, that's so, brilliant. I like that. Yeah, because there used, used to be a, there's a British word, dunnikin. Which which meant dung house. Oh, all right, okay. And then you know, people say, oh, well, the dunny comes from from, from that from Dunnikin. Right. But I think I think it's uh, the, the donut in Granny's greenhouse. <laughs> it's far more enjoyable. <laughs> and then at sea, of course, you don't call it the toilet, don't you? What do you call it? You call it the head. 
I beg your pardon? You say I'm going to the head. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Have you not? No. So that the head was basically at the at the front of the ship. Because the yeah. head's the head yes. of the ship. Right, right. And you went went in there's like a again, sort of like a hole. Yes. And and as you as you went it would sort of wash away down the side of the ship. That makes perfect sense. Um I don't know if they still do, but there was a time when Americans called it the crapper. But I believe they named it the crapper after uh, an English toilet manufacturer called Thomas Crapper. Aha. Now, I thought he invented the toilet, but he obviously didn't, because you talked about John, John Harrington. That's why they call it the John. Going to the John. Brilliant. (laughs) That is so obvious now you've said it out loud. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Puts our minds at ease. Um, Yes, no, so Crapper didn't invent the toilet, um, as we've already discussed. They're they're older than that. But um, Thomas Crapper was an English um, plumber, I believe, uh, around the the mid-1800s. And he he had a few patents for toilets. He he modernised the the way they work slightly. He he patented the ballcock that you mentioned earlier on. Actually, um, he made developments in in U bends and S bends and things like that to ah. to keep the whiff away. From yes, of course, the bottom of the toilet. Um, so yes, he didn't invent them, but he did do quite a lot to modernise them. <laughs> A lot of pottery companies, you know, a lot of places that made porcelain around the Staffordshire area, yes, um, started up a, a sideline of making toilets. There's a wonderful pottery museum in in Stafford called the Gladstone Pottery, and they have an entire section of their museum purely dedicated to toilets. Fascinating place to go. Brilliant toilet. I mean, toilet factories are, are fairly dull places, I imagine. <laughs> but one of the more interesting ones is in Japan, because because we, if we sort of bring it up to date, yeah. There's a there's a fabulous manufacturer called Toto. Toto. Toto toilets. Right. Okay. And they're not in Kansas. They're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> no, they're not. Neither do they bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> they might. I don't know. Yes, one of the few songs with the word Kilimanjaro in it. And Serengeti. Yes. Interesting. Um, so to- Toto, you've probably heard of these toilets where you go to the loo and there's like flashing lights and a warm loo seat and. Um, oh yes, and I believe Simon, you yes. have used one of these toilets. I have. I didn't realise they were called Toto. I didn't know what that's. That's what we were talking about. But I have. Yeah, there's there's a a wonderful place in London called Japan House, which is part exhibition space, part shop, part restaurant, uh, dedicated to the Japanese culture. Wonderful place to go. And um, a, a friend of mine took me for for dinner in the in the restaurant at Japan House one day, and uh, he sort of leant across the table and said, "Before we go." you really need to go and visit the toilet. <laughs> Which I, I thought was slightly suspicious. But I, I went to visit the toilet, and goodness me, he was right. You know, there, there was a, a, a panel on the wall full of buttons, and everything was sort of LED colour-changing lights, and uh, the toilet seat sort of rose up automatically. The the air dryer, the, the, the jet of air to dry yourself afterwards came as a bit of a shock, because I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> Um, but yes, I've never had such a, a luxurious visit to the bathroom. They are amazing. Yeah. They are absolutely stunningly things. I, I am. If they weren't eye-wateringly expensive, you have to be sitting down when somebody tells you the price. And ideally, you're you're not sitting on, on the, the toilet. toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Go but, on then. Uh, they are so expensive. They are thousands of pounds. These things. really, yeah, really, they're, they're ridiculous. But I think they worth are it. worth every penny. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> 
now that's a, a, a handy little um segue there I, I often like to do sort of uh records you know the biggest this the most expensive that the largest number of the other yes um i had a little look at uh, the, the most expensive toilets in the world other than tozo as you've just mentioned um in in japan there is a, a toilet which is covered in swarovski uh, crystals and diamonds on the outside, I was, was going to say you wouldn't want to be sitting on that. Really, you would wouldn't you? want to be sitting on it, and probably not that practical to have a the inside of the bowl studded with them either. You know, for cleanliness purposes, um, that's worth one hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars. <gasps> that's not the most expensive one. Uh, there's a there's a company in China called the Hungfeng Gold Technology Company who makes stuff out of gold. Of course, they do. And they have an exhibition called the Hall of Gold Fame. Um, and they have various golden artifacts in there. They have a golden toilet, uh, which is worth $4 million. Sorry, say that again? $4 million. For a toilet? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily usable. I think it's there as a display of what they can do if they really wanted to. Um, but even that is not the most expensive toilet in the world. Go on, then. The most expensive toilet in the world is... Well, actually, it's not in the world. It's on the International Space Station. The toilet facilities on the International Space Station cost $5 million. And essentially, it's it's a small suction device with straps that you can sort of harness onto yourself to fix it in place. Um, and and it, it sucks your, your waste out. It, it has a filtration system inside it to filter the water out of your waste, clean it up, and recycle it as drinking water for the crew on the space station. $5 million worth of loo. That's interesting, because I thought you were going to go for $2 million. No, 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 no. Why, why stop there? Well, see, $2 million is just one urinal. There's a urinal worth $2 million? There is a urinal worth $2 million. Go on, where's that? And it's a piece of art that was created by Marcel Duchamp okay. in 1917. Uh, and it's it's just an ordinary ordinary thing, but he signed it R Mutt, right? <laughs> and it's worth two million dollars. It's 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 it is a very well known piece of art. Right. It's called Fountain. Okay. <laughs> I can't think of anything else that I really want to say about toilets. Can you? No, I'm sure there are many other things we could talk about, but I can't think of anything else I really want to talk about. But people might, so that's where they can... Ah. Well, first of all, they should like, subscribe, and as we've mentioned several times in this episode, um, comment. Comment on it. Whether good or bad, it's all valued feedback. And uh, if you've enjoyed listening to us, then good, you're our kind of person. Thank you very much, and listen again. Yeah, listen again, tell your friends about it. The more the merrier. So thank you for listening. Please come again. We've been Simon Wells. And we've been Bruce Fielding. <laughs> and this has been Factorally. Thank you. Goodbye. Cheerio.